He's been faithful, hasn't he, church? Amen. Amen. Um, as we begin, I'm going to share something that happened in a few years ago. In 2016, while we were serving in Kentucky, I was sharing in a, uh, a beginning part of the message about our need as the church to be involved in politics. Um, never promoted a candidate, but I did promote um, that we are to support life, we are to defend life, we are a people of life. And it wasn't a long rant or anything, just like I do here in promoting what we believe as the church. And, um, and actually at the time we were, we were serving in different ways. We were helping a local children's home. It was uh, St. Joseph's Children's Home in, in Louisville. We had provided them with a lot of things. They gave us a list of needs they had and we, would, we went there and provided some of those things. So it was part of that kind of a discussion. But not long after that, I received a message from a lady in our church that basically said this, keep politics out of the pulpit. It was basically that, not a lot of, no rant, not, nothing more than that. And, and I replied in the email, um, basically not a long email other than the fact that the church is to be involved in morality in our culture. And I did explain that throughout history of God's people, God called people uh, people of faith to be involved in politics. Um, Joseph was used by God to save Egypt. God used Daniel as he was in, um, in the government in Babylon. Uh, that God used Esther to save the Hebrew people. She called a fast. They had made a law that it was okay to kill the Jews. And then they made a law that it was okay for the Jews to fight back. So then they didn't do anything. Um, even out throughout Christian history, you can look up the name later today, William Wilberforce, who was a Christian in, the, in politics and government in England, who helped abolish slavery uh, at that time. Christians have been involved in government and in politics. So not a long reply, just basically what I said here, and her messages didn't stop after that. Even after we moved. We moved to a whole other state. She found me on Instagram, started sending me messages on Instagram. Now, I didn't see the signs at first. Looking back, I should have known that she was a bit crazy. Um, the first day she arrived at church, she drove a riding lawnmower to the church service. Now, as a Christian, we welcome all types. Not all types welcome the truth, though. And so you're going to have some clashing. But here it is. It turns out that she was basically what you would call a staunch liberal who liked the idea of Jesus and going to church, but voted for ungodly politicians and policies. And people like that do not like the truth of who Christ is and Christianity. Um, and, and here it is. Our culture is very political. And you've heard this said, we, it is so divisive. People are speaking about the good things of God and other people don't like it, so it's divisive. Try going to another country where they have a, a tyrannical government, where they can pull you out of your home and shoot you at any moment. I would say that's pretty divisive. Just because we disagree doesn't mean it's so divisive in our culture. But our country was born out of a war for the most part. Uh, men and women... Uh, died 
um, to, to remove a tyrannical government from who this nation was becoming. Um, and, and, and documents were written down to prevent government and the powers of tyranny and tyrannical power grabs. Now, here it is. We are one country, one nation among many nations. By the way, have you heard people say they don't like nationalism within the last four years? It's a new thing. Uh, you love your nation. You, it's idolatry. And I want you to know that the people are pushing and saying you can't be a nationalist. And there's, a, there's an overcorrection of nationalism. I get that if you worship your, your country. But you can love your country. Guess who created the nations? Guess who's the God of all nations? So America is one nation among many nations. Now we as a people um, representing a new government declared independence in our history and threw off the chains of a tyrannical government. Our country was founded on Judeo-Christian ideas. You were told that they weren't and they were. Go back and read history, read the documents. If you travel to D.C., uh, a few years ago we went to D.C., over 10 years ago, I believe, actually. I say a few years. They become decades now. Um, you will see in monuments in Washington, D.C., things that attribute glory to God. I remember one document, one engraving in a monument said something about the Creator, but they had a banner on one of the museums celebrating Darwin. And I was like, I saw that and I laughed. Uh, because they were celebrating Darwinian evolution, and here it is. Our history celebrated the one true God who created but our, all things. And what, so we have a nation that was built on Judeo-Christian ideas and a limited government, as well as the right to pursue wealth, which later was turned into happiness. And all this ultimately to promote the, the highest value, that being freedom. Um, we, we enjoy a measure of freedom here that not all nations have. However, in recent years, Christians, true Christians that is, have been called too political for expressing Christian morals. And for the most part, things that are accepted globally. Um, you may have heard people say, what about separation of church and state? Raise your hand if you've heard that. You can't talk about this Jesus stuff because the separation of church and state, something somebody kind of quoted after the whole thing. Uh, but I want to share some things. Now, I am not here where I'm glorifying the Constitution. I think it's a good document. The Constitution is not above God's word. And our nation is not above the mission of Jesus Christ in the world. Again, it is one nation among many nations. But if you didn't know, the statement separation of church and state is not found in the Constitution. I want you to hear what it actually says. Congress shall not make, shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion. That means they're not to promote one religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. So if a religion is expressing free, uh, freedom of worship, they are not to prohibit that or abridging the freedom of speech. Christians are to speak the things of God or of the press writing things down or the right of the people to peaceably assemble and to petition the government for a redress of grievances. That is actually in the Constitution, not separation of church and state. Now here it is. The second president of the United States said this. Our Constitution, John Adams that is, our Constitution was made for a moral and religious people. It is inadequate to govern any other type of people. 
So here we are in the 2020s and we've seen an emergence of people who are non-religious or are in their own way pagan. This is the first place I've ever lived where people declare that they are pagan. And so we've seen a growing group of people who do not believe in God. And of course, that is hard to govern with religious ideas, obviously. But ultimately, church, I want you to know that our citizenship is in heaven. I love what God has done down here. I love our country. I love our good values. I love our, most of our laws and some of the good things that we have. But Paul tells us this in Philippians chapter 3 and verse 20. But our citizenship is in heaven. What a great reminder. Uh, we have dual citizenship for the most part. I am a citizen of heaven and I'm a representative of heaven down here on earth. But our citizenship is in heaven and from it we await the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And we are to express as God's people here on earth kingdom values wherever we are citizens on earth. Whatever nation we are in, God may call you as a missionary to go to another nation one day. It will not be like America, but you are still to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. Now to those who say you cannot be political, have you ever prayed the Lord's Prayer? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Sounds too political, doesn't it? That the kingdom values are to be done here on earth. We pray that in the prayer. That is a good reminder for us today. Now, in, uh, in a time where government is ever expanding, by the way, the government never trims itself back. Uh, people have to push for them to trim it back. They want more, more money. And we mentioned taxes in the, the scripture reading from Romans. We won't get into taxes today. Ever expanding, uh, overreaching. And where Christians have been shamed for being too political, we need to know our role in speaking to political issues. Uh, and, and so that push, by the way, the people that say you are too political, this is what I have found out. The people that call me too political as a Christian are very political on the other way, on the other side. They just don't want you to say your view. And here's something else I've been encouraging along the way is that you need to have conversations with your kids. They can understand political issues. Never assume they're too young. It is good to talk about politics in the home. I remember years ago that uh, our marching band director was a Democrat, and he would always take the band to celebrate the Democrat politicians. And some of the people who were Republican always said, he only goes to the Democrats, you know. Uh, but I was able to go and hear a speech of Al Gore, the guy who vetted the internet. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I remember hearing him speak, and it was an impassioned speech. And I remember being moved by it. The owls in Washington. They were just, you know, at the time I was like, man, I was young. I was like, yeah, I want to save the animals, you know. And, uh, but it, I was, it, was a, it was passionate. And then later in life I realized that was a stupid speech. <laughs> but I was moved by it when I was young, you know. So young people are hearing speeches. Adults are hearing speeches and we have political issues to talk about. And I'm not just talking about owls and the economy and cutting down trees. I'm talking about things that dig into a morality of people that we should have conversations about these things. Um, because if not, then your kids will hide that from you. 
And they will never feel free to discuss those issues. Something that they learn in school, something that they learn from friends. We should be having conversations about big issues in our culture. The big question, the question is, what does the scriptures say about God and government? How are we as citizens of heaven to operate in the politics here on earth? So I'm going to reread a portion of Romans chapter 13 here, verses 1 through 4, not getting into the part of taxes. We don't want anybody throwing anything into the harbor here, so we won't get into taxes. But again, let everyone be subject to the governing authorities. Boom, right at the beginning. Americans don't like that. America, we're not, we're not going to be subject. Um, but here it is, in this time, Paul is writing to Christians who are at times persecuted by Romans. And evil for the most part, and did some good, but they promoted many gods and unchristian government. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities. Why? For there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. The order in the world is by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. For rulers are not a terror to the good to good conduct, but to bad. If you're speeding through town and you see blue lights, that means you're going to incur judgment for doing bad. If you're going the speed limit and see blue lights, you feel good. Well, you look down real quick first, and then you're like, oh shoot. Would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Then do what is good and you will receive his approval. For he is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain. Police officers bear a gun for a reason. Soldiers bear guns for a reason. For he is the servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on wrongdoing. Let's pray together today. God in heaven, we love you, we bless your holy name, and we thank you for just a wonderful time just to sing, to sing to a holy God and to praise your holy name. And I pray today, Lord, you help us to submit to your authority in the world. And Lord, that we are led by the Spirit also in knowing when and what to do as Christians. On one end, we are to submit. On the other end, we are to keep proclaiming the good news. To speak to the things that you would have us speak to. The kingdom, uh, heaven issues. And Lord, I pray that you give us wisdom in all things. Help us learn to speak when there's a time to speak. And to be quiet when there's a time to be quiet. But Lord, just to be governed by who you are and your truth. Lord, that we are under your authority that we fully surrender our rights to you because we are citizens of heaven. And Lord, that we represent you well here on earth. That when people see us, they see Christ. They see ambassadors of the good news. That they see representatives of another world, uh, your kingdom. Bless your words as they go forward in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, what is government? I don't have it here. I'm going to read a little bit here. Government is a political organization with a, a nation that exercises the control of military and judicial powers. You see that in our own culture and around the world. Uh, that being the creation of laws and the enforcement of laws over its population. There are many different types of governments, including uh, communist, socialist, democracy, republic, chaos in some places, all kinds of things. 
And here it is, and this is something you've heard me say continually, is that Christianity is a totalizing view of reality. What God has given us speaks to all areas of life. There is no, oh, it's separation of what God said and everything else. I've worked for various uh, bodies of government. I was in the military, the federal government. I was with the post office, which is kind of like a hybrid of federal and free market, uh, state government, county government, various forms of government. And I have found that those who work for the government are kind of lenient toward the government. However, there, if I am part of God's kingdom and I work for the government, there is no separation of the two. I'm still a representative of God's kingdom wherever I work in the world. So God's kingdom and his principles and his truth speak to every area of life. This world does not get to tell us to be quiet. There is no, you're too political. Uh, there's no get politics out of the pulpit. Now there is this thing where we have a, a we are considered a nonprofit. And if you promote a candidate, then you can have that stripped away. And you know what I think? It'd be nice just to get rid of that. That way we can speak to what God wants us to speak to without fear of them taking away our tax exemption. Um, but that has been another controlling factor. We'll get into that another time. Again, Christianity is a totalizing view of reality. We are speaking into every area of life. Um, and when people are mistreated, wherever it may be in the world, we as Christians get to speak to those issues. Here in our country and, and around the world, because we are representing the kingdom of God. And government can never save the soul. I don't support government and, and those things, assuming that somebody may get saved if we establish better laws. It deters evil in the world. But America does not save souls. I had a friend who was at a funeral years ago. I've shared this with some of you guys. And, and it was a guy who had been saved, but all his friends were drunkards. A lot of people were in the funeral staggering around and, and, and slurring their speech. And, and, and one guy wanted to come forward and get prayer and say something about the guy who had died. And my pastor friend was there. And he said, one guy got up there and grabbed the mic. This is oh, why I don't like to do this in funerals. I don't like just to hand the mic because people start saying all kinds of things. People that aren't even part of the family. I got something to say. He was like, you don't even know this person. This drunk guy gets up there and says, I know he's in heaven because it says in the Bible, Americans get to heaven. <laughs> My pastor friend jerking the bike back. I'll tell you what it does say. It does not say that, but he went in and preached the gospel of how you can make it to heaven. Um, but these government cannot save the soul. It can merely deter evil. God has established government to maintain order in the world. And through many governments, and, and they are, for the most part around the world, they are influenced by religion, and not all religions are the same, and not all of them are righteous. And God has given us government, and the, the powers that be are from God. Um, the government, for the most part, has three biblical uh, functions. One is protection. That we have a functioning government to protect the innocent people, for the most part. The second thing is to punish evildoers. It deters evil. It, it, if certain laws weren't in place, there would be chaos. Uh, people would break into your home if it was not a law against things like that more often, that is. Uh, it is the promotion of good. That you're not getting in trouble because you're living free. You're doing good. It promotes those things. But our job as Christians is to save Americans, not to save America. When you start to try to save America first, you get off mission. Because it is temporal. 
Uh, Nations come and go. God lifts one up and God brings one down. This great nation that exists during the time of Christ, this powerful government known as Rome, fell over time. Our duty as Christians is to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ to save the soul of Americans. But when you get into where you're trying to save everything from the outside versus the inside first, it reminds me of what Robert Perry faced on one of his many polar expeditions in the late 1800s and early 1900s. Um, As he headed north on one of his dog sled teams, At the end of each day, when he stopped to take a bearing of his latitude, he was amazed to discover that he was actually further south than he had been at the beginning of the day. Now, how was that possible? Even though he had been hustling all day long with these dog sleds to go north, the mystery was eventually solved when he discovered that he had been traveling on a gigantic ice floe. So no matter how fast he traveled north and how hard he went north, the ice flow was going south. And I share that with you today because it's an illustration of our culture. Our culture is moving away from God. And if you're trying to clean up the culture, it's only superficial. It is moving away from God. What we can do is preach the good news of Jesus Christ that people are saved and their direction changes and they start going north. They start going toward Jesus Christ. Now, since God has established government and we have biblical instructions from Paul and Peter to be subject to the governing authorities. By by the way, both Paul and Peter said to give honor to Caesar and both were killed by Rome. Um, with them telling us to submit, knowing that they died the way they died, when is it okay to resist government? When is it okay to disobey? And here's the thing. We are not called to blindly bow to evil governments. God established government for order in the world, but at times governing authorities do evil things, and we are to pray and be led by the Holy Spirit in how to deal with whatever issue we are facing at that time. There would be no America Day without godly men and women pushing back against Britain, who were making laws for a whole nother continent, taxation without, well, we weren't going to get into that. (laughs) Thankfully, we live in a country where we still have a say because our government is different than a tyrannical dictatorship. It is a government of the people. That means all the more we have a right to say something. We get to vote. A lot, of, a lot of people don't get to vote. We have a say in the moving of morality in our culture. But our goal as Christians is not to control the culture. Our goal is to be the conscience of it. Our goal is to preach Christ and Him crucified. To be salt and light in this evil world. But I want you to know there are times that we are to resist and push back. So on one end, we are to submit in general. When, when Paul says that, he doesn't mean do everything the ungodly government says to do. It is in general. Even Jesus said, give to Caesar what is due to Caesar. Give to God what is due to God. Seeing the coin, Jesus is speaking, that you give your taxes to Caesar. His image is on the coin. We give to God what is God. God's image is on us. 
We give our soul to God. We do not give our soul to this culture or the government of this world. Now, there's times I have two today. This is just part one. We'll get into a second part next week. Um, But the first thing I want you to see, when can we resist as Christians? And the first thing is when it comes to life. Exodus chapter 1, verses 15 through 17 It says, then the king of Egypt said to the Hebrew midwives, he recognized that the Hebrew people had grown so large as slaves in Egypt that he says to the Hebrew midwives, one of whom was named Zipporah and the other one Puah, when you serve as a midwife to the Hebrew women and see them on the birth stool, if it is a son, you shall kill him. They were growing. They wanted to kill the men so they couldn't take over if another enemy came and invaded Egypt. But if it's a daughter, she shall live. Good stipulations there for abortion at the time. At least half lived. But the midwives feared God and did not do as the king of Egypt commanded them, but let the male children live. Now, if you take that text and you try to say, whoa, 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 you are to submit. They told you to kill. You are to kill. And that's not necessarily true. And here it is. I want you to see this. I love this. They didn't do what Pharaoh said to do who was basically God of Egypt. It actually says they feared God. They had more respect, more honor, more fear to the one true God. I love that. And ultimately, why did they do that? Killing babies is wrong. Now, people might say today, well, the Ten Commandments, this and that, Ten Commandments are good, but they believed God and life before the Ten Commandments were given. Before the law was written on the tablets, the law was written on our conscience. We know killing is wrong. We know killing the innocent is wrong. And they knew it so much that they were willing to resist Pharaoh. Church, life is sacred. All are made in the image of God and have value. In fact, they knew it was wrong in their conscience and pushed back. It actually says when they knew that they were having the baby, the women pushed the baby out really fast to get the baby away so they couldn't kill the baby. I mean, they said they were vigorous. I mean, I, well, we've had five kids. I've watched this go down. And I was like, these women were tough. No needle in the spine in the back. <laughs> None of that. And pop the baby out. It doesn't sound like that. I've been there. Um, and here it is. <laughs> the early... <laughs> The early church had a ministry. This is what's awesome. Looking back, people say that um, it, it is a right to kill a baby. Early church was in the business of rescuing babies. There was a document that was passed around called the Didache, and they had rules for the early church. It was not inspired, per se, by the Holy Spirit, but it was passed around to say, these are things that we do. And they rescued aborted babies. The Roman culture, if they got a daughter and didn't want it, they could just leave it on the doorstep and the child would die. The church came and scooped these babies up and rescued them. The church has been in the business of rescuing lives since day one. If it wasn't for good people standing against the evils that were taking place in the late 30s and 1940s, Europe, uh, there would be more Jews killed. They would be in hiding. There might not be any Jews. Uh, And most of Europe would be speaking German if it wasn't for good people that stood against evil. And I would say that actually had a biblical worldview that uh, the Hebrew people still mattered and that life mattered. The church, we are to resist evil. That is what we are salt and light. We represent good in the world. 
good moves against evil. Uh, Paul actually tells us that we are to hate what is evil and love what is good. You've been taught, and we talked about this a little bit last week, and out of all messages that this happened to, it didn't record it well. Uh, when we talked about being controlled by the love of Christ and how this culture has distorted our understanding of love. But we, even as Christians, are to hate what God hates. And we're to love what God loves. Listen to what Paul says. Uh, let love be genuine. Not this distorted cultural love and lust. Let it be genuine. Abhor. Abhor what is evil. Have a, a passion against evil. Hold fast to what is good. Don't budge. Even when people, well, you're unloving. Well, I must give in to evil now because you called me unloving. No. Hate what is evil. Love what is good. Listen to what the psalmist says in 97.10. Oh, you who love the Lord, hate evil. We hate what is evil. I love people, but I hate the evil acts. I want to see people get saved. It stirs my heart and my conscience when people are living in sin. I do not hate them. I want them to be saved, but I hate the evil that takes place. Again, it goes on to say, He preserves the lives of His saints. He delivers them from the hand of the wicked. We are to promote life. We are to resist to the best of our ability when it comes to life that we can save lives. Do you think it would have been legal to break into a prison camp in the late 30s and early 40s to, to save Jews? Would that have been wrong or right? Well, according to the law, it would have been wrong. But what we did and people escaped was right. Regardless of what the culture says, there is a time that we must save lives. The second thing I want you to see today, when can we resist uh, the authorities? When it comes to worship. Daniel chapter 3, a wonderful book. The, the young men are taken captive. Uh, they're taken into Babylon. They're trying to assimilate them into Babylonian culture. And it says here that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar. Now Nebuchadnezzar, when they're saying this, he could have had them killed at any moment, at any time. Uh, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If this be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. Now that's going to irk him. Because then he sees that someone else is more powerful than him. But if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. What has taken place? Here it is. They have been taken captive. They are actually in part of the government at this time. And Nebuchadnezzar created this golden idol. And they played worship music. And they said anytime the music is chimed, everybody is to bow and worship this idol. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, what do they do? No, we are not doing that. We worship the one true God. And they made a law, if you didn't do that, we're going to throw you into a fiery furnace. Now, I don't know about you, if the police came in here at any moment and, and took me and put me in chains and said, we're about to throw you into a furnace and burn you, I'd be pretty scared. Uh, I'd be intimidated. But these men were moved by the Holy Spirit to say, no, it is worth serving God. We are willing to die than to bow down to the culture's idol. And they are actually taken and thrown into the fire. It's just one of these awesome stories in the Old Testament. The thing here for you to see today is that when it comes to worship, we can resist what the government has to say. Um, there was an issue that took place a few years ago. 
um, where the government used a health crisis to shut down churches. Now, early on, they said, as long as you were less than 250 people, you could meet regularly. We were like, yeah, we're, we're under 250. We're going to keep meeting. A week later, they said, well, under 50. And we felt like, well, maybe we could do multiple services if we did that. And then a day later, it was less than 10. That was pretty fast, and we were trying to figure out what's going on, and we, we complied. Now, I never officially closed the doors of the church. We encouraged people to stream from home. If they had uh, health issues, please to be cautious. Obviously, we were promoting washing your hands. I promoted washing your hands before the COVID thing. Wash your hands. Have you ever been to Walmart? Oh, my gracious. Wash your hands. Um, Walmart started having those little towels. We were using baby wipes long before they had those little white things. We were like washing off the cart. Get the sickness away. Uh, but all of this was taking place. And government, over, they overstepped. And they were pushing. And they loved the fact. Watch government. They loved that they could close churches. But a shift happened. Pastors started pushing back. And this is what I saw happen. I, you know, I'm watching and observing. Pastors pushed back, and then governors began to respond, and then they changed the law that said that churches could meet again. Um, if pastor, and then I watched Christians bashing the pastors that stood up. How dare they? We're supposed to submit to government, blah, blah, blah. It's, all, it's just a national health crisis, blah, 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 blah. Now, I'm not saying COVID is not serious. It's very serious. We, I've had many friends um, who have passed away from COVID. Um, but there was too many mandates. I read a list of mandates in California for churches there, and it would cost our weekly, our, our monthly budget to make those things happen. They had to have coverings over every seat, and every time somebody moved out of a service, we had to remove those coverings, wipe everything down. It was just it's immense stipulations. I read the list. It was bad. And even after they began to loose the mandates, and even when our governor said that we had religious liberty, that they couldn't mandate those things after they decided that. I was watching what's taking place in other cities and other states. And in California, the governor there was telling churches, the people that they couldn't even meet in their home and do church unless they were less than 10 people. Now, have you guys ever heard of that family in Arkansas, like 19 kids and counting? I mean, what do you do? Break up the home? Uh, you're not, you know, there's too many kids in here, this kind of a thing. It, it didn't make sense. And my point is to say, we have to watch those things. On one end, I'm being submissive. Uh, we're watching this, but there comes a time where this is wrong. Uh, we should be able to worship freely. Uh, especially, they, they actually were going after the homes, and here it is. We should be able to worship Jesus Christ. We should be able to give some pushback with honor and with respect because we vote for our representatives and they are to represent the people. And if we speak to those things, they should be dealing with those things accordingly. Again, let me remind you of what the Constitution says. Again, it's not inspired, but it is a good document. And for now, we have it. And we can, we can refer to the Constitution. Paul used his citizenship. Did you know that? When he was arrested and was beaten, he said, what's going to happen when they find out that I'm a Roman citizen and Romans have been beaten a Roman citizen? They're like, uh-oh, release him quick. Because God has ordained government with the benefits for a reason. And we have the Constitution. Again, I want to read this. Congress shall not make a law, shall make no law respecting the establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. It was, pre, it was prohibited. Or abridging the freedom of speech. We're seeing the council culture. We're seeing people being moved off of platforms of those things. That's a whole other conversation. Or the right 
of people to assemble peaceably and to petition the government for redress of grievances when these things happen. Now, as a Christ follower, you have every right to appeal to your earthly citizenship. Now, we might not have this forever, and other countries don't, and they have different forms of government that they can appeal to. But here it is. If God had a problem with it, if he had a problem with us worshiping together, he would tell us. I had a friend say that we need to stop meeting and follow what the government said. And I asked him, has the Holy Spirit ever led the church of Jesus Christ to stop meeting in the last 2,000 years? It's never once happened. Now, in the church of the Nazarene, when they had the Spanish flu in the early 1900s, they quit meeting for a while cautiously as those things happened. And I am for caution. I am for being careful. I'm for using wisdom. But the Holy Spirit has never guided God's people to stop meeting. The scriptures tell us that the Lord stood by Paul through all of these things. When he resisted and when he submitted. The Lord showed up when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were thrown into the fiery furnace. They were willing to die for it. There's going to come a time where maybe you, you don't get in a lot of trouble. There were pastors and churches that got in trouble, uh, that lawsuits came against. In fact, in Canada, they put fences around some churches and barbed wire. And I watched a video where a pastor was arrested for meeting and holding church. And so we're starting to see those things happen. I think we're still some time out, but we're seeing it come our way. And God wants us to worship him freely. Now, we will see things intensify. Um, the ice flow is moving south. The culture is moving away from God. But the church is still to move toward God and to proclaim the good news even though we are still here on earth. We are still to preach Christ and Him crucified. We are still to make disciples. Uh, we are still to point people to God and His kingdom principles, His morality, the kingdom of God. I'm going to ask Jay to come at this time as we prepare to close. You guys aren't smiling. <laughs> From time to time, you know, I speak uh, on government issues for the reason, um, because we can overcorrect on any end. And we're actually coming into a season of voting, and it's a good reminder on how we should behave, on how you speak. Uh, it matters on what you say on, in social media and the culture. Uh, but we represent Christ. In the early church, uh, many Christians were put to death. And as we close, I just want to share the story here of Polycarp. There's a statue here and some paintings that depict what happened. Around, it was actually February 23rd, A.D. 155. Polycarp was the leading minister or bishop in the area he had learned from the Apostle John. He's in Smyrna. Um, word had got out that he was, a, of obviously he was known as a Christian leader. And they decided to arrest him. They arrest him and they bring him into an assembly, a coliseum. And the Caesar is trying to get him to bow and give allegiance to Caesar and to Rome. And the crowd is, is hollering and yelling and it was so loud that every time Polycarp spoke, they had to write it down and go around the Colosseum to tell everybody what he said and what Caesar had said. Um, 
when he was, he was urged by the Roman pro, um, Caesar to renounce Christ, Polycarp said this, Eighty and six years have I served him, and he never did me any injury. How then can I blaspheme my king and my savior? Again, the proconsul pleaded, he had, we're not in the business of killing old men. Just take and sprinkle some incense in the name of our gods, in the name of Caesar. And he said, no, I won't do that. The crowd wants him put to death. He denies bowing to Caesar, and the crowd rushes out into the streets, and they gather wood and anything that they could find, and they rush back in. They tie up Polycarp, and they burn him at the stake. This is real history. These are things that happened in the past. And the reason I share that with you today is now I don't see anybody getting burned in the next few decades like that or, or being brought before the government to be killed or executed that quickly. Um, but it is here to show you that his allegiance was to the Lord Jesus Christ, first and foremost. That I'm not bowing to this government, but we're to submit. No, we submit to the Lord Jesus Christ, first and foremost. Again, our submission to this worldly government is temporal and in general. So church, as we close today, I want you to come. For those who want to come and pray for any reason, you can come and pray. But, but maybe you can come and pray today and say, you know what? I'm giving my allegiance to the one true God, the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's come and pray.